Welcome to Taiwan Talk. I'm Sheree Felice, and this week I'm joined by Eve Ensler, activist and author of the Vagina Monologues, who was in Taiwan the past few days as a participant of the Fourth World Conference of Women's Shelters. Listen in as she talks about her new book and elaborates more on her activism. This past week, you participated in the Fourth World Conference of Women's Shelters held in Kaohsiung. How did you find the conference? Oh, it was very moving, very powerful. It was incredible to be in the midst of such extraordinary women around the world who were on the front lines of sheltering women, of protecting women, of lifting women up, and just to be there with women from like a hundred countries who are doing this work with so little recognition, with so little funding, with. With so little support, and yet their hearts and their beings and their brains and their spirits are so in it. So I felt honored and privileged to be amongst them. What would you say was the highlight of the event? I have to say, I think our dance event was pretty fabulous, and and dancing with like almost two thousand people to one billion rising, and the spirit of raising the vibration, and women in in. I don't know, just women feeling their bodies and feeling their power, and knowing that women who have gone through the worst violence and have come out the other side are the most powerful women on the planet. And being in a room where there were thousands of people feeling that power felt fantastic. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so today, you just held a discussion on your latest book, The Apology, which is a memoir of sorts written in the form of an imagined letter from your late father. Can you tell our listeners a bit about the book and why you decided to write it? Well, I think as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and enormous violence, I think my whole childhood I was waiting for my father to apologize. And then when I got older, I thought that moment would come where he would wake up and come to his senses, and and it didn't. And he died thirty um, one years ago. And I think there's always a part of every survivor that is yearning for that apology and that day when the reckoning will come, when the person admits what they've done to you in detail and 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 feels what you felt and understands the impact that has their actions have had on your life. And then simultaneously, I've been involved in V Day and One Billion Rising, and I've been involved in the w- movement to end violence against all women and girls for over twenty two years. And we've seen women break the silence. We've seen women tell their stories. This new recent iteration of Me Too. We've seen a lot of people coming forward, but we've never actually heard a man who's abused, or sexually violated, or domestically battered a woman come forward and make a public. Thorough apology for what he's done, and I think it was the combination of those factors. I finally decided, well, I'm going to write my father's apology, and I'm going to have him write the words to me that I needed to hear, and so I did it. Do you think, even though it was an imagined letter written by you, do you think in some ways your father might have felt some of the words that you wrote? You know, it's very hard to tell because when I wrote this book, I felt his presence so deeply in the process. I felt he was somehow there. I mean, I know he's dead, but I think we have a relationship with the dead. They're always around us, and I feel like we went through a process together. Whether it was imagined or real, it doesn't really matter. But I think both of us got free because my father was willing to go through a detailed. Detailed account of what he had done. He was willing to look at his childhood and understand, and do a deep self-interrogation into what were the factors that went into creating him to become a kind of man. Whether it was toxic masculinity or a patriarchal culture or being adored rather than loved, all these factors that turned him into a kind of monstrous person who was capable of those terrible deeds. And then for him to feel what I had felt. 
and to go through and see the impact of his violence and his ways on me and then to make a reckoning, I think, told me a lot about the significance, the critical significance of true and deep apologies. For people who have gone through physical or sexual abuse, whose perpetrators are still living, do you think that it's important for them to seek out an apology or attempt to seek out an apology? Do you think it gives them more closure as opposed to not getting one? I think what's more important is that perpetrators who have committed atrocities and committed violence begin to go through a process where they do what my father does in this book. They go through that self-interrogation. They go through that wrestling down of the demons inside them. They go through and admit the harms they have done in detail. And I think that's what really has to begin to happen. And I think if women can't get those apologies, I think this exercise of writing a letter to yourself from your perpetrator, his imagined apology, is a very powerful, powerful and healing experience. But you shouldn't do it alone. You should do it with support from a therapist or clergy or a friend. And by the way, it's an offering. There are some survivors who have no desire for an apology and don't want to be, and and that's fine too. It was profoundly healing and freeing for me. And I heard other women who have done it since the book's come out, and they've had a really powerful experience. How do you feel about your work, The Vagina Monologues, becoming such a cultural phenomenon? (laughs) You know, it was a total surprise to me. I really was just performing the piece in a theater way downtown, and I hoped somebody wouldn't shoot me. And it's been amazing to see, you know, it's been a life. It's been almost 25 years to see how women have taken it up and spread it all over the world, to see it develop into a worldwide movement to end violence against women. It's vagina magic, you know? It's the power of women. It's how we share. It's how we spread things. It's how we build sisterhood and solidarity. So it's been a wild, thrilling vagina journey. So how do you think the Me Too movement is doing? And do you think it is adequately giving women back their voice? I think we've been part of a movement for 70 years to end violence against women and girls. And part of this movement has been a powerful, powerful new iteration. I think we've called out men. I think we've told more stories. We've challenged um, men in ways, you know, the deepening of that. What hasn't happened yet is the men haven't changed. You know, we're kind of stuck right now. Like, I think, as my friend Tony Porter says, we've called men out but we haven't called them in. Now's the time to call them in. And what that means is that if men don't start going through a process of accountability, of like self-interrogation, of apology, of going deep inside and looking at what is, is the foundation or origin of their behaviors inside a patriarchal racist, patriarchal culture, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. And until men change, the violence isn't going to stop. So I feel like women keep doing more and more and more, but in unless men begin to join us in this struggle, it's not going to change. Lastly, can you just tell our listeners a bit about V-Day and One Billion Rising? Yes, V-Day is a global movement to end violence against all women and girls and Mother Earth. And we have been doing this movement. It's been going on for the last 23 years. People put on productions of the vagina monologues and a memory monologue and a prayer and other performances, which you can sign up to do at vday.org. And those productions raise consciousness and money for local groups, shelters, hotlines, any anti-violence group in your community and whatever money your production raises goes directly to those groups because the play is given away for free on that particular day in February and March. And One Billion Rising is a worldwide dance campaign, an artistic campaign that began eight years ago that's in 200 countries and women rise all across this planet for whatever it is 
they understand to be the intersections of violence, whether it's rising from Mother Earth and what that's doing to, for example, refugees who are fleeing and then facing more and more violence as they flee in the process of their journey to try to cross over borders. If it's about rising for workers' rights, if it's about rising for end of female genital mutilation, people decide in their community what they want to rise for, and then they create artistic dance events where they do that rising. And you can go to onebillionrising.org and you can sign up and you can create your rising wherever you are. It's completely yours. It's adaptable. No one owns it. It's an energy that's spreading around the planet. And this year, we're, it's one billion rising for revolution. We're going to raise the vibration. So we rise up out of this fascist, authoritarian, misogynist, earth-hating, immigrant-bashing, racist culture that is worldwide at this point. And we've got to join forces together in solidarity across the world. Okay, thank you so much. That was well said. Thank you, dear. That's it for this week's episode of Taiwan Talk. I'd like to thank Eve Ensler again for joining me. Don't forget to tune in next week for an all-new episode. As always, remember to take care of yourselves. I'm Sheree Felice. <laughs>